Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So today is going to be about some more recent events and I'm going to be talking a little bit about the question of is UFO secrecy deepening or are we getting closer to transparency? Something I've been thinking about a lot recently and I've kind of briefly touched on this in a couple of the recent episodes but we're going to dig into that in a little bit more detail today. As well as that, um, there's also going to be some updates to the NASA UFO study, and that kind of ties in with this deepening of secrecy thing. And um, also the James Fox Moment of Contact movie, which was fast approaching time for that to be released now, so there's going to be a few little updates on that. Um, But before we get into any of that, there was a little meetup that we had uh, recently in Leicester just a few days ago where I had the opportunity to meet up with some friends and colleagues and it was just really nice to be able to to actually meet up in real life and speak to some um, people who are just as interested in this topic as as I am. And and if you're from the UK, uh, keep an eye out because we will be doing that kind of thing again in the future. Um, I'm hoping to attend. I have my day job outside the podcast has pretty um unfortunate hours for um doing things like these meetups because i work on evenings and weekends a lot of the time so unfortunately it's not always possible for me to attend but do keep your eye out on twitter if you're interested in that kind of thing and um, because again like i say really nice to actually be sat in a room with lots of people who are also as interested in this topic as uh, you know as i am or as you may be um to to actually have those conversations and, and start from that place of knowing that everybody at the table is just as interested as you are obviously if you speak to a colleague in the workplace about this topic often you're kind of met with eyes glazed over sort of like <laughs> it's not it's not always a good idea to uh to to bring this topic up um so to to actually be able to start from that position of knowing that everybody there is interested in this and has a certain amount of knowledge about the topic just very nice to do Uh, It initially started off as a bit of a small gathering of just a few of us and then kind of ended up growing and growing. And um, I think in the end, DJ had posted that, you know, anybody who's in the area can can attend. Um, But if if you weren't aware of it and and you would like to, to do that kind of thing in the future... Just keep an eye on Twitter. I'm sure it'll get announced at some stage that there'll be another one. I think all of us there really enjoyed it and got a lot from it. So um, definitely try and do something like that again. And if anybody is in attendance at the UFO Identified uh, Minicon, which is going to be taking place in a couple of weeks in Manchester, um, make sure you come and say hello because I'm going to be there taking part in the uh, UFO podcast panel so it's a bit of a Q&A sort of thing you can ask questions and we'll sort of talk about whatever the questions are that get asked and uh, should be fun looking forward to meeting up with more people uh, at that event and it's just really nice to be able to actually see people in the in the flesh you know uh, who I've spoken to a lot online 
and uh, there were various people who you may have heard on the podcast. I think pretty much everybody there has actually either been on the podcast or I've spoken to at great length uh, online before. So we had Max McCabe and his, his lovely family uh, were in attendance. Max is an experiencer who I've spoken to on the podcast. Uh, Davey Johnston, who I've not actually spoken to on the podcast, but we might try and get something arranged at some point soon. Um, uh, another person with some interesting experiences of his own. And... Um, a Yorkshireman as well. He uh, was kind enough to bring us all some uh, some beers from his hometown as well, which is, went down a treat. Very much appreciated. Thank you, uh, Davy, for that. Uh, Vinny, Disclosure Team, who many of you will know, who's also been on my show before, along with his twin brother. And um, Ash, UK UAP, who's again been on the show a couple of times. And uh, Graham Rendell, who's a member of UAP Media and uh, quite a prolific author on the UFO topic these days. Uh, incredible books that I def- definitely recommend who's any- for anybody who's interested in the historical side of the topic, going back to the, the 40s and 50s in particular. Uh, his books are absolutely invaluable. Um, the Zignal Dan, who's obviously uh, one of the co-hosts of That UFO Podcast, and uh, DJ from uh, Colin O'Bean's podcast and YouTube channel who was um, over from the state so it was a great opportunity to finally meet up with uh, DJ so uh, yeah just just a lot of fun and anybody who's not actually been to a UFO event or done anything like a meetup like that if you're interested in the topic I can't recommend it enough it's really really good to actually sit down have a real life conversation obviously Covid as I say has limited that um, you know over the last couple of years when I started the podcast it was still right in the midst of all of that so just nice to finally be able to get out and speak to some people and if you ever see anything like that um, on Twitter and you know a bit unsure perhaps you've never attended anything like that before um, I highly recommend doing it these these UFO events that are taking place as well like the mini con that's taking place in a couple of weeks and various other UFO events I was a bit hesitant about attending an event like that even going back to like last, um, I think it was last November, I went to my first UFO event, and um, I was really pleasantly surprised by you know how many credible, rational people there are wanting to just have you know conversation and um, uh, take the topic seriously and and you know but be open minded at the same time. It's just really nice to be able to speak to people in the flesh. So recommend it to anybody um, if you've not done that kind of thing before. So having said all of that then, let's get stuck into the big question of the day, as it were, which is about, is UFO secrecy deepening? So obviously we hear a lot about this thing of, you know, UFOs, um, you know, are we finally getting close to the answers? Are, are the governments of this world and the intelligence communities and militaries and so on finally starting to open up a little bit? And certainly, you know, you get that impression if, if you're on Twitter and you feel like the momentum's on our side, if you're pushing for transparency. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot that points towards that as being the case. And I did a, an episode just recently about, you know, is something big coming? Because it certainly seems like that's the general consensus on UFO Twitter and within the topic in general. But there's also a bit of an argument that actually UFO secrecy might be deepening. And love him or hate him, because, you know, there are different opinions flying around, but nobody can deny 
I don't think, even those that may be detractors of this gentleman. Nobody can deny that John Greenwald Jr. does excellent work in regards to foyer and relentlessly pursuing you know the powers that be uh, and, and pushing them to be as tr- as transparent as possible with the public now i don't i personally don't agree with everything that john says or does but you know hey that, that's life and at the end of the day you know there's there's not many people i could point to where i say i agree with everything they do so we're always going to have our slight differences of opinion on things but i do try and focus on the great work that that john does uh, you know, rather than the things that I might look at a bit differently, and, and I have a ton of respect for John in that regard, and uh, he has been a bit of an inspiration in terms of um, the work that I have done with a few uh, colleagues on on actually pursuing some fire requests here in the UK, uh, where it definitely can't be argued that transparency is is uh, you know on the rise. I think here in the UK we're stuck exactly the same position we've been in that regard for a long time. But in the US particularly, um, you know, there is a strong argument that, that transparency is increasing, you know. But in, in April of 2020, the Black Vault began a pursuit to have the US Navy release all of their videos that held a UAP designation. And after nearly two and a half years, the untold number of videos with that UAP designation have been fully denied due to national security concerns. And the the response was, was posted in full on the Black Vault website. Um, and I'll just read it out. It's fairly long, but I'm just going to read it to give the full uh, information here as to what John actually got back. And that's, again, another thing that I, that I do have a lot of respect for about John's work is that when he does get documents... What he doesn't do is keep hold of that document and then be the kind of keeper of the secrets and and just quote from it here and there. He always has made a commitment to post the documents in full, which is, I think, the right way to do it. So this is the letter that John got back. So, quote, Dear Mr. Greenwald, this is in reference to your Freedom of Information Act request dated July the 11th, 2022. Your request was received in our office on the same day and assigned case number, and then there's a long case number which I won't read out. In the course of processing your FOIA request, our office contacted the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force to conduct a search for applicable records. Accordingly, that office searched their local files for records relating to a copy of records, electronic or otherwise, of all videos with the designation of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP, as archived by the US Navy. The UAP task force has responded back to DNS 36 and have stated that the requested video contains sensitive information pertaining to UAP and are classified and are exempt from disclosure in their entirety under Exemption 5, in accordance with Executive Order 13526, and the UAP Security Classification Guide. The release of this information will harm national security, as it may provide adversaries valuable information regarding Department of Defense, Navy operations, vulnerabilities and or capabilities, No portions of the videos can be segregated for release. 
while three UAP videos were released in the past, the facts specific to those three videos are unique in that those videos were initially released via unofficial channels before official release. Those events were discussed extensively in the public domain. In fact, major news outlets conducted specials on these events. Given the amount of information in the public domain regarding these encounters, it was possible to release the files without further damage to national security. You have the right to appeal. It must be received within 90 calendar days of this letter. Please provide appellate authority. Uh, see below the following and an envelope marked for your appeal. Unquote. So, a lot to kind of unpack there. But we'll start with one of the bits towards the end of that statement, which is, while three UAP videos were released in the past, the facts specific to those three videos are unique in that those videos were initially released via unofficial channels before official release. It was possible to release these files without further damage to national security. That is a pretty interesting uh, bit of wording there. And whilst I do think with things like this, there is a danger in kind of reading too much into like real small nuances and uh, that kind of thing, you know, I think that is interesting wording. A lot of people have been talking about the, the further damage aspect in particular. I mean, what does further damage to national security really mean? Is that suggesting that damage has been done by the release of these videos? And the videos that we're talking about here is obviously the GoFast, the FLIR video, and um, the Gimbal video. The three kind of main videos that everyone's been talking about that have come out over the last years. Now, has national security damage really been done by the release of those videos? It doesn't really seem to add up, seeing as those videos were actually unclassified to begin with, and still are. And an investigation into the manner that the videos were released actually came back with a finding that no wrongdoing had taken place as the videos were unclassified in the first place and the matter was closed with no wrongdoing found. I've actually got a copy of that actual document and it concludes by saying, quote, the three videos obtained by subject, which bear in mind the subject is Luella Zondo, so Quote, the three videos obtained by subject were confirmed to be unclassified, redacted, stated the unauthorized disclosure program management office considered the matter closed, unquote. So the investigation into the, you know, supposed wrongdoing involved with the release of these videos was actually closed and confirmed that no wrongdoing had taken place. And Lou Elizondo was essentially uh, cleared of any wrongdoing in that instance. So... I'm not exactly too sure how the quote there that John Greenwald had got back actually stands up because we're talking about these videos were initially released via unofficial channels. I'm not so sure if they were because they actually were, um, they went through the correct process uh, apparently because an investigation into the process that those videos actually went through came back and cleared Luella Zondo of any wrongdoing. So it seems that they went through the official channels to me, not unofficial channels. And also, if we're talking about the, the national security aspect of it, how could it have damaged national security, really? Because at the end of the day, the videos were unclassified in the first place. So I'm not so sure about that whole statement, really. Bit of an unusual one. And 
I think the thing is, though, is that the, the main point here is that a lot of people are saying that this is an indication that the disclosure movement is kind of phony in some way. You know, I've seen people discussing this online and whatnot, and that everybody is getting all hyped up about transparency increasing when in actual fact, the transparency is decreasing. Now, as usual in life, you know, I don't think it's as clear cut as that. I don't think it's like either one extreme or the other. And to be honest, the actual concept of this being like a surprise, like, you know, the the Navy are, are now kind of considering this to be something that they're going to lock up really, really tight, shouldn't come as a surprise. Because actually, if we go back to the Susan Goff leaked emails from 2019, Whilst communicating with a, a US Air Force contact, she said the following, quote, one other thing you need to do is reach out to the Air Force's fire office. We need to keep a very close eye on fire requests for the release of UAP videos to ensure consistency of what does or doesn't get released. Generally, so far, at least with Navy vids, we're not releasing them unquote and when you bear in mind susan goff is the public affairs officer for the pentagon for the dod so essentially what susan goff has done again if you look at these leaked emails and and the the track record that susan goff has got she has essentially inserted herself into the fire process and has attempted to you know essentially kind of stop the transparency efforts by ensuring that videos don't get released now the thing is with that is that i don't think for a second that pandora's box should be flung open and everything should be revealed to the public because that is very very dangerous but it's quite clear and, and again if you read lou elizondo's ig complaint this is exactly what he alleges has happened that susan goff is basically trying to personally take control of um everything that gets released from any aspect of the dod and that's also in, to include here reaching out to the air force and obviously as you can tell from that statement she's got a very close eye on exactly what gets released and just to go back and quote that again at least with navy vids we're not releasing them so just not releasing them at all. Like she's she's clearly stating there that they have no plans to release any videos. So even going back three years, there were efforts well underway to limit what was allowed to be released, with dubious kind of legal grounds, you know, because many of these other videos that are held could also be unclassified, just as the three Navy vids were, the gimbal, go fast, and the FLIR. And that shows to me that actually, even going back to 2019, they were racking the brains to find ways to limit what was being released through FOIA. Now, if you fast forward to 16th of April 2020, and the new UAP classification guide was approved by a certain Scott Bray, who you may remember from the UAP hearings before a congressional committee, not long ago. Now, Scott Bray is the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, and this was seen, the actual classification guide being approved by him, 
was seen as a bit of a heavy-handed approach, really, in terms of basically keeping everything locked up pretty tight and erring on the side of caution, as it were, in terms of releasing videos. In other words, not releasing anything, just in case there may be a, a, you know, anything at all in there that could relate to national security. You know, in, in other words, very much in the similar kind of vein of the Susan Goff approach of we're not releasing them, as she said in that particular uh, bit of communication there. But then, at the hearings, it was actually a bit of a surprisingly different tone, which I, for one, took with a bit of a pinch of salt, in that Bray and Moultrie both seemed quite keen to stress that they actually wanted increased transparency and that they would release videos and images wherever they can. Now, the key bit, is the, I think anyway, is the wherever they can bit. Because they both already know full well that they can't as a result of the classification guide that Scott Bray himself approved. So it's all very well and good to say we'll commit to releasing videos and being transparent, you know, wherever possible, if they already know that nothing will be possible. You know, like... That's like me implementing a rule in my house where there's absolutely no noise to be made under any circumstances. And then somebody inquires about coming to visit and playing music in the house. And I say, yeah, sure, you can play music wherever is possible, according to the rules. But I neglect to mention the fact that I personally made a rule where there is no music allowed. So they get to the house, expect to play music. And I say, sorry, you know, there's a no music rule. <laughs> you know, I know that's a bit of an out there analogy, but the point is... Scott Bray himself approved an extremely strict classification guide on UAP videos and then he's there in front of a congressional committee committing to actually releasing videos wherever possible. Seems to me he knows full well that it's not possible. So obviously in that situation you can make a commitment all you want but he knows full well that it won't be possible to happen. And if you actually look at the classification guide which is available, um, again, I think it was a FOIA request that, that this came out through. The classification guide is an interesting document, well, in that most of it is completely blacked out and redacted. There is one bit that is not redacted, and it's a very small paragraph at the beginning of the document which says, Identification where information pertaining to a UAP has been obtained or developed through the use of classified sources or methods, the proper classification of a resultant item of information or material will be the highest classification set forth in either this classification guide or the classification guide or guides applicable to the sources or methods used to obtain the UAP information or material quite wordy that isn't it but what it's basically saying is if the uap has been captured using classified sources and methods then essentially that whatever it is that's been captured whether it be data whether it be images will be classified as the highest classification that is possible either through this guide or the actual classification guide which is directly applicable to whichever sources or methods have been used to actually get that image or that data or whatever it might be. And it goes on to talk about um, in those cases where the sources or methods used to acquire the UAP information or material would lead to a higher classification level, the 
applicable SCG, Security Classification Guide, pertaining to those sources or methods should be cited as the classification authority and not this guide. But what that basically is, is one of the only bits of this classification guide which is actually unredacted, because after that, there is a massive block of redaction. So an entire paragraph just blacked out. And then it goes on to talk about a few other relatively minor points. And then there's essentially a full A4 page, which is completely blacked out. And it says, um, point, it's basically point number three, intelligence collection, exploitation, analysis, and products. And then a full blacked out A4 page, which is pretty interesting and intriguing after that it says relationships and then another entire blacked out paragraph and that's basically the end of the document um so nearly everything is blacked out apart from the bit where it talks about sources and methods and the interesting thing is that sources and methods has been cited quite frequently including in the hearings as the reason why these actual uap videos that the navy has in its possession are not able to be uh, declassified but it does seem a bit of a contradiction there in my opinion because actually the, the three videos that we do have were unclassified to begin with and were able to be taken through a, 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 a you know an actual process to get them officially authorized for public release and even then when an investigation took place into the the process that they went through to get them released, uh, Lou Elizondo, who was instrumental in getting those videos out, was essentially um, cleared of any wrongdoing. So I'm not exactly sure how this is all fitting together at the moment because we've got um, sources and methods being used as a blanket reason for not releasing these videos, but the, the actual videos that are already out you know weren't classified in the first place and, and that kind of thing so it seems that this classification guide is whatever the reason is for the videos not being released it actually may be found in underneath these redacted blocks rather than actually anything to do with sources and methods because the videos that we know are already out apparently don't give much away in terms of sources and methods so perhaps the other videos which are not out yet the reasons why they can't be released actually isn't necessarily referring to sources and methods, rather something that's underneath those huge redacted blocks. But at the end of the day, that's the problem with a huge redacted block. You're just left guessing as to what's actually underneath there. I think the main point here, though, to conclude is we've seen that Congress is now aware of this issue. There are people pushing for increased transparency, you know, within congress within congressional committees i've mentioned in the podcast a few times that george knapp has actually said watch out for massively increased efforts from those on the inside who want to keep this locked up and i believe that we are seeing that and we'll see more of that too but that's not the whole story despite what the sort of disclosure naysayers would have you believe Obviously, the secret keepers, you know, will redouble their efforts in light of the fact that, you know, the the wolf is at the door, so to speak. You know, if there are people on, on the inside, we're not talking about the DOD said this, because the DOD is a massive organisation. Within the DOD, you've got people who are on the side of increasing transparency, but you've also got the people who are not on the side of that. 
And it's always a tug of war. Like in any organization or any large group of individuals, there's always going to be differing opinions. And at the end of the day, that will be kind of a battle between the differing opinions to see who's who comes out on top. And what we're seeing, I believe, is not an increase in, in transparency or a decrease in, in transparency. It's kind of a bit of both. You've got two competing teams who are actually trying to both win. And it's not exactly clear yet who's going to win. But all of that doesn't mean that we won't get anywhere. Actually, I see this as kind of a sign that we're closer than ever to actually getting somewhere. You know, let, let's not forget that there are opposing sides here. There's those who are pushing for transparency and those who want to maintain the secrecy. And that battle has been going on for quite a long time. But the current battle is, is just beginning. You know, look what happened with the Gillibrand Amendment last year. In my opinion, they kind of wriggled out of it and threw out this kind of phony AOI MSG office, claiming to have it all covered, nothing really got done, and then the new language in the NDAA and Intelligence Authorization Act for this upcoming year, the, the, the fiscal year 23, is a reaction to that. You know, there the wasn't enough done. The DOD tried to wriggle out of it and, 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 and not you know fulfill the requirements of the Gillibrand Amendment so Congress are, are fuming about this and have massively increased their demands on what the DOD has to do uh, to provide information and to properly set up a UAP office and they've included the the provision for whistleblower protections etc that I've been talking about a lot recently but the key thing is that none of this has actually happened yet so you know, transparency may be, there may be those who are pushing to increase the obfuscation. And there's also people who are, who are pushing to decrease the obfuscation. But make no mistake, there will be further efforts to get around these new developments and more attempts to wriggle out and avoid providing answers. And, and this is why we must remain united. You know, if we want to actually you know get some increased transparency and and figure out what the you know the government the intelligence community the military really know about all of this then you know much of this squabbling on twitter etc detracts from the actual important work that needs to be done i think i think some people are thinking okay we've had a ufo hearing now that's it you know mission over that's just the beginning and we need to remember that at the end of the day you know, a lot of the unity that's kind of helped with pushing forward with activism efforts has come from being relatively united. We have to remember to keep that going. But another interesting point that kind of ties in with that, that I sort of alluded to earlier on, is this study that NASA um, have announced relatively recently regarding looking into the UFO topic, the UAP topic, uh, really, uh, as, as we now know it. And... There was yesterday, actually, on Twitter, um, uh, somebody by the name of Rob Coppinger, I hope I'm saying the name right there, uh, tweeted the following, quote, NASA Administrator Bill Nelson told me today that the UAP data survey scientists will be announced soon. He also confirmed NASA will use DOD classified data, so the DOD classification of UAP videos a secret which Black Vault revealed has no impact, unquote. So a lot to kind of unpack there in a relatively short tweet. But first of all, this, this gentleman is claiming, and I believe there's no reason to question whether or not that actually took place. Um, it, we're talking about somebody who's a, a, you know, a, a well-known uh, 
column writer, well-known journalist here who's written for uh, a lot of aviation and uh, even the BBC, uh, a lot of aviation magazines and, and, and blogs and things and also the BBC. So, um, but, but the point is here that this NASA study has had a lot of mixed, you know, opinions about, about it because essentially it's, it's quite a long study. I think it was nine months with relatively small amounts of funding and the main point of that study was to essentially figure out what data to actually look at when it comes to understanding the UAP topic and they, they wanted to change it from a, a, a data poor field into a data rich field which don't get me wrong that as a statement I'm behind that all the way because obviously data is what you need if you want scientists to be able to engage with this topic but I think the criticism has come in from the fact that actually if anybody has got access to the best data it's going to be nasa and the the other organizations that nasa communicate with and at the end of the day why do you need so long to look into it and and you know why, why do you have to kind of go around the houses when you could just dig into your own hard drives and there's got to be a lot going on in there that you could use to get straight to the point but still you know as i said at the time i, I kind of see it from both sides at the end of the day i think nasa being involved in the topic is a great thing because so up to this point we've not even had that um and the, the ripple effect that that's had throughout the mainstream has been clear to see you know as soon as you can throw out the the four letter word nasa people take things a bit more seriously because nasa's got a sort of a weight behind that name hasn't it uh, with good reason you know but anyway getting to the actual specific point here is that it refers to the classification guide um which i was talking about earlier that scott bray actually um you know approved himself and what the the contradiction is here is that it says that Bill Nelson actually confirmed that NASA will use DOD classified data. So NASA apparently will have access to the data which is heavily classified, which I've just been talking about, that is not going to be approved for public release because of that very, very strict classification guide approved by Scott Bray. But NASA apparently are going to have access to that data. Now, the thing is, is that that is in direct contradiction with the statements that NASA originally said when they announced this study. So they had initially said that they're only going to look at data, which is going to, they're going to be able to be transparent with the public on. So obviously, if they start looking at classified data that the public aren't going to see, then the whole study that NASA is doing won't be fully transparent with the public. Now, different ways to look at this. On the one hand, you would you would like to see the videos and you would like to be able to access the data and, and for NASA to be transparent with us as the public who have a lot of questions. But on the other hand, you kind of want NASA to be able to have access to the best stuff, you know, to put it really simply. So it, maybe it's not a bad thing that NASA will get to see the classified data. But as I've said before, you know, the fact is, NASA must have a lot of this stuff themselves as well. You know, there's, it, it's quite well known that NASA have sort of back channel communications with um, the CIA and various other, you know, top secret departments within, um, or, or departments that handle top secret information within the US government, military and intelligence services. The CIA have certain things attached to their satellites that are not known to the public and not known to basically anybody outside of you know these very 
uh, secretive compartmentalized programs that have um you know sensor capabilities and things like that which are, are launched um without anybody else knowing about it and then they can use that data for whatever reasons they want to use that data for and nasa clearly have links with these organizations so as to not inadvertently release some of the the you know top secret classified sensor capabilities that cia may be operating on satellites and things like that i mean i think it's fairly understandable you know to have those those links there and and nasa have, have almost you know without any question inadvertently captured using their sensor systems and cameras and whatnot um, they've in, inadvertently you know covered areas where they would risk revealing you know classified capabilities or even things on the ground perhaps and it's well known that NASA occasionally have to black out their feeds, you know, in that regard. And NASA's sensor capabilities are such that that's almost certainly the case with regards to US classified systems and sensor um, capabilities. But also, you would imagine, over the years, they must have caught some other things as well, uh, you know, potentially anomalous objects and whatnot. And there are plenty of those that circulate on the internet that people claim are this and that. And surely that would be a really good place to start in terms of doing a study into UAP. Um, but regardless of that, though, the the back channel communications that are open uh, clearly already exist as a, as a relationship. And what seems to be happening here is that Bill Nelson is actually confirming that now they will be using the DOD classified data um, in other words the videos and things like that that the 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 various UAP offices with the changing names etc over over time have got and that seems to contradict the initial statements that's the main point here is that NASA's initial statement was we're going to have everything completely transparent with the public and now they're they're apparently going to be looking at some classified data which means that you know as the dod have already confirmed the public aren't going to get to see that now john greenwald who actually uh, did the FOIA request to not only get the access to the document um that i read out right at the beginning which was confirming that the dod are not going to release any of these navy videos but john greenwald also managed to get access to the the classified uh, sorry the redacted um classification guide so John Greenwald actually replied to the tweet that I mentioned earlier, which says, um, quote, I was under the impression that they were not diving into classified data. And I was also under the impression some of those that were taking part in the study don't even have clearances. Did that all change or did I misunderstand their public stance on the research? Unquote. So pretty much echoing you know what what i was saying initially there that it seems to contradict the initial statement that they're going to be completely transparent with the public etc um and a lot of the people who were actually doing the study themselves don't have clearances so it's all they're they're looking at the data that they're going to be able to be completely transparent on this sort of contradicts that and um the original poster uh, rob coppinger uh, actually uh, replied to john greenwald saying uh, at around 16.40 hours today, I asked Administer Nelson, Administrator Nelson directly, will NASA have access to classified data? And he said, they will have access. 
As for who has clearances, we'll find out shortly. And he's referring there to the scientists who are actually going to be the ones doing this study who have not been announced yet. And he follows up by saying, I would imagine the entire team do not need to be cleared for secret or top secret data. John Greenwald replied saying, I appreciate that. Interesting as it does appear the scope changed. I was outspoken about the flawed approach that they were not using classified data, but now that they will, it will seemingly contradict, in a way, their public and transparent objective. And I suppose that sort of sums up the battle here, really. Do we want to have for NASA to have access to the best data, in which case they're going to need to look at the classified stuff, aren't they? Or do they should they only be looking at non unclassified databases so that they can be fully transparent with the public? It's a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky one. It's a balance, really, isn't it? And I mean, I'll tell you what I think. This is my interpretation of the situation here. All Bill Nelson is actually saying, if you look carefully at the wording, is that they will have access. That's not saying that they're actually going to use that data. They may do. And, you know, perhaps there will be some members of the team who have clearances that have access to that data and actually delve into that data and then report back in a kind of a redacted way to the rest of the team so as not to reveal anything classified but to give a summary of what they saw you know, could be the case. And that the actual reports that get released to the public don't involve any of the classified stuff. What I think is happening there is we have to remember that this study, the, um, what did they refer to it as, the, the, the data survey, all this is, a nine-month study, and all these scientists that are going to be announced and everything like that, the whole purpose of this is to decide what data to look at. And what we have to remember is, uh, Bill Nelson has just said that they will have access, but just because they have access to it, that doesn't mean that they're going to conclude that that's the data that they are going to look at. So I think what's probably going to happen is they're going to have access to whatever they want. It's NASA at the end of the day. It's not like they're short on connections. But I think what they're probably going to end up doing is doing a similar thing to what we've seen with the UAP task force report. They'll probably have a classified um version of what they're going to do so with the data survey is finished they'll say okay this is what we can look at if we want the full picture and that's going to include classified data from the dod and this is what we can look at if we want a pretty good idea of what's going on without looking at the classified stuff and then they'll probably do two reports a classified version which includes the dod classified data and that will be perhaps available in a heavily redacted form for the public and it may be used to you know for other purposes behind the scenes and then we're probably going to have a public facing report which doesn't use any of the classified data which may um well hopefully be available to the public in full i think that's probably what's going to end up happening here could be wrong but we shall see at the end of the day. And, and, and Rob Coppinger, actually, um, I'm just looking at it now on the screen as I'm, as I'm talking, uh, Rob Coppinger actually says uh, in reply to, to John's tweets there, NASA's nine-month study is only looking at data sources. That, I imagine, will lead to an actual UAP study from fiscal year 2025. To know how they are going to conduct a study, they first identify sources of data. So the point is there is that we have to remember this NASA study 
is purely a case of identifying what they're going to look at. And we're not going to see an actual UAP study which uses the data that they've identified until possibly a year, two, three years from now. So this is a really long process. Um, but as I say, the fact that NASA have attached their name to the topic is great. But we have to bear in mind that it's going to be a bit of a slow process. And, you know, there's going to be, I, I think, I would predict... And again, we're talking about things that are going to happen years down the line. A lot can change. But I think that's what it's going to be a case of. It's going to be, um, you know, this is purely going to identify that there's classified stuff, there's unclassified stuff. How are we going to deal with this? And the, the actual end, end result of it all will be that they'll do a classified report and they'll also do a public report as well. Similar to what the UAP task force have done and probably similar to what um, the the new office, whatever it ends up being called, is is going to do. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the day. But as I say, I think the NASA's involvement, even if it is slow progress and limited in terms of its scope, is good because it has that ripple effect throughout the wider public. And the rest of it is going to be a case of time will tell. So. Just to kind of conclude on on going back to that initial question of is UAP secrecy deepening or is it are we getting closer to transparency? It's a bit of a weird nuanced picture really because it's a bit of both. And and again, that NASA thing is a good example of it. You know, we're probably going to end up seeing, you know, NASA have access to the classified stuff. But if what do we really want from that? Do we want NASA to have the best information, but that has to be kept from the public, or do we want NASA to have um, you know, a completely transparent report. In that case, they won't have access to the best information. I think the best compromise is, as I said, a bit of both, really. Is is UAP secrecy deepening? Well, again, it all depends. It is, it is deepening, but at the same time, we've also got more transparency than ever before. We have to remember that it's a nuanced picture with two competing factions, if you will. And even within that, there is a lot of nuance. So, it's an interesting time to be following the topic, but we have to remember, you know, the old classic thing of it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we are getting closer to answers, but as we get closer to those answers, as, you know, George Knapp says, you know, the, those who are guarding the secrets are going to get more and more extreme in their methods. And, you know, those who are pushing forward towards getting some answers on all of this, um, you know, as they get closer, the harder the work is going to be. And as I say, more, more important than ever before for us all to keep our eyes on the goal and not get distracted with petty drama and all the rest of it that sometimes can uh, happen on, on Twitter. So moving on, and we'll finish off with this one, a uh, James Fox moment of contact uh, movie, which is due out uh, in October, apparently. And um, on the moment of contact website, it says... James Fox is back with a brand new documentary about the 1996 Virginia incident, an alleged UFO crash and capture of strange creatures that many consider to be the Brazilian Roswell. A moment of contact is basically uh, an in-depth investigation of the famous extraterrestrial encounter which shook the locals to their core. 
Having said that, extraterrestrial perhaps is a bit of a jump into a conclusion situation because we don't actually know if they are extraterrestrial, but certainly something was witnessed by the locals there um, which was uh, pretty shocking to those who witnessed it. And obviously this is the follow-up to the Phenomenon film, which was uh, an excellent movie in my opinion. Obviously there's varying opinions about that movie, but I think James Fox does a great job of presenting a topic in a way that is entertaining, but doesn't go into the ridiculous kind of, you know, typical um, cliche things of UFO movies. He presents the topic in a very rational and well-thought-out way, um, presents the facts and, you know, brings all the witnesses um to the camera without over over sensationalizing it so and, and in this case fox has actually gone to um brazil to actually really dig into the truth uh, about what happened in this case and it sounds as though he's really gone you know boots on the ground as they say to track down what really happened and the film which is you know a few years in the making uh you know he's been at this for a little while now he actually explores, you know, the people who were present at that point, and um, there's a quite a, a number of different experts and witnesses brought in to give their version of events, and um, the film basically, you know, promises to kind of break the case wide open, you know, because it's been quite mysterious and there's been a lot of conspiracies, you know, surrounding it as to whether there was you know the american military got involved and and the brazilian government covered it up and all this kind of thing and so i'm I'm really looking forward to watching this it apparently sheds light on that the actual cover-up as well and the psychological impact that that cover-up actually had on the lives of those who actually found themselves caught in the middle of this bizarre incident and uh, James Fox has actually done uh, a range of great films. I mentioned The Phenomenon just now, but he also did the film I Know What I Saw, which I think features some particularly excellent witness testimony of the Phoenix Lights case in particular. And um, also, uh, as I say, The Phenomenon movie pretty much sets the standard you know, for UFO documentaries in this, in this day and age. But I Know What I Saw is a bit of an older one. Really worth watching. I went back and checked that out. Uh, recently and um, it's a it's a great film the sum of the witness testimony from the phoenix lights is really quite astonishing there was one bit that kind of really haunts me <laughs> this huge tr black triangle object that apparently appeared over over phoenix um is um described by one of the witnesses as being so big we don't have words in in our language to describe how big it was something about that the way he says it and um that way of describing an object like that is truly kind of haunting to me black triangles in particular is an area of fascination so that was yeah very 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 interesting and, and it's just great to see those witnesses you know on camera talking about it and getting the you know the direct accounts of what they saw so we recommend checking out his other films and the actual trailer for moment of contact is out now you find it pretty easily by just googling moment of contact trailer and um james fox actually also appeared on the uh, howard hughes podcast recently where he confirmed that he has actually been able to locate um actual photographic and video evidence of the alleged alien bodies associated with this case 
which is obviously absolutely huge information. And he, he said that they've actually been trying to negotiate a large cash reward in return for the footage. And he said, the footage isn't in the documentary yet. And that's a, you know, a pretty monumental three-letter word right there, isn't it? <laughs> you know, the footage isn't in the documentary. Oh, okay, never mind. Yet. Oh, you know, so we'll see. Um, there's a lot of different moving parts there. I mean, it could end up being that it's some kind of extortion attempt. You know, they might get the footage. It turns out to be fake. It might never materialize. Um, you know, maybe they won't get that for many years to come. So the documentary will come out without any of that footage or photographs included. Who knows? But James Fox is a pretty determined guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow manage to get hold of that and some of it ends up in the film. If I'm honest, I'm not hopeful that that's going to happen. It seems too good to be true. But look, either way, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, whatever happens with that, I am really looking forward to watching that film. Uh, it should be a really good one. Hey up everybody, I'm uh, just dropping in. I actually recorded the episode yesterday and... Um, uh, I'm actually just here today, which is the day after. Um, I just wanted to add something into what I was saying about the film. So I did realise that I didn't mention the date that the film is going to be coming out. So just for anybody who's wondering, it's October the 18th. It's going to be available digitally. So anybody who is watching out for this film coming out, you find all the information if you watch the trailer the all the information about the releases in the video description um, but another thing that i wanted to add um, is i saw on twitter james fox himself had actually uh, been tweeting a little bit about this footage thing that i was describing and um the information that he added to what was already available was the about the footage again and let me find the tweet so I can actually read it out the way that he explained it. So somebody had put, uh, I just wonder whether there will be photos, videos of the creature. And they were referring to the fact of whether that would be in the film. And James had replied to that. They will come out with 110 certainty, 110% certainty, just a matter of when. Now, with the film coming out in a month's time... I would imagine that by this point, it's too late for that footage to end up in the film. But it's very interesting that he's also saying there that the footage is definitely going to come out. 110% certainty. That that seems like something's been verified somewhere along the line there. So I am very intrigued about this footage. I'm also a bit hesitant about it because obviously it's one of them things, you know, unless you... Unless you've seen the footage, it could be anything, couldn't it? I mean, we don't know if James Fox has seen the footage even. We just know that he's aware of the existence and apparently it's got good provenance that suggests that it is the actual footage. But obviously it's tantalising because we're talking about footage potentially existing of an actual alleged non-human entity. I mean, that doesn't get much better than that, does it? That's the smoking gun right there. But yeah, there's no clarification so far as to whether it's going to be in the film. I can't imagine it's going to end up going into the film. The only way I think that could probably happen is like a couple of scenarios. So the first scenario is that they've already got the footage, but it can't be released yet for some reason. And they've done two cuts of the film, one with the footage in, one without the footage, but they're not exactly sure which version is going to get released just yet. So if that is the case, 
pretty interesting. Um, but I think that's probably one of the more unlikely scenarios because I'm not even sure if you could really do that. You'd have to get you'd have to get both of the versions of the film like confirmed by the production company, and it'd be very tricky to do. Um, the other situation is that the footage is is like kind of not verified as such just yet, and um, but that just may come out round about the time of the film separately. So they might release the footage. Let's say they've located it, they've made an agreement with the person who's got the footage, and they're going to think about releasing that round about the time of the film to sort of like you know a part of the publicity um, around the film, which would be again extremely interesting if that happens. Um, but another comment that uh, James Fox had also put as well is somebody had asked, um, you know, another tweet to him: "Will the documentary have footage of the creature?" And James Fox replies to it: "I wish I could explain what's going on with that, but I just cannot right now. Just know I stop at nothing to find every piece of evidence, every piece." So again, no direct verification of whether or not the footage is going to appear in the film there seems to be leaving it open-ended and again there's plenty of speculation as to why a few people on twitter were saying it may just be to you know increase like the the hype around the film you know so to leave it on a kind of a, a cliffhanger as to whether or not we're going to see the footage so that makes people want to watch the film um that obviously that's a bit of more of a cynical way to look at it i would hope that that's not the case um but you know one way or another it's very interesting to consider the possibility that there may be some footage out there there's always the possibility that the footage itself could be fake and they're trying to extort money out of james fox taking advantage of his curiosity and his desire to get every bit of evidence and somebody has created some kind of fake cgi footage or some you know what however it's may have been done um and that James Fox is trying to locate it, and when he sees it, it'll, it'll be quite clear that it's not genuine footage, and that'll be the end of it. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that this thing could play out, but um, definitely one to keep an eye on because it doesn't get more much more tantalising if you're into this topic than somebody claims to have actual footage of a creature, you know, a non-human creature. So, again, a lot of different ways it could go. Um, one just to keep in the back pocket, keep an eye on, um, you know, don't lose any sleep over it because it may come to nothing. But, you know, we'll keep an eye on that and see how it all goes. Anyway, leave it there for now. But, you know, it made me think when I was thinking about anticipating this film and some of the exciting things, you know, this movie being one of them, you know, coming up over the course of the next few months. There really is more than ever before to keep an eye on in this topic. I mean, as I've said, you know, we've got this legislation currently going through in the States. Uh, it, it, it's a complicated political process that these things have to go through. But when it eventually does go through, and it's looking overwhelmingly likely at this point in time that that is going to make it through in its intact form with whistleblower protections, you know, stronger than ever requirements as to what a UAP office needs to do in terms of generating reports being transparent with the public actually going back and creating a report going all the way back to 1947 and obviously all of the various historic uh, cases and events that have took place since then are going to be included in that in that particular report and you know all of this is still yet to come that's what we have to remember you know the fact is that legislation's not even gone through yet as soon as that goes through that's going to set the wheels in motion for anybody who is a whistleblower that actually will come forward we may see at that point in time 
more hearings and the more hearings may well include the people that you know chris mellon has been talking about apparently he's spoken to people he used plural so that's more than one person who is not lou elizondo and these people apparently i think from the way he's talking about it are actually directly associated with crash retrieval and reverse engineering programs and if that all is the case what are we going to hear about it did make me think as well. I mean, James Fox is of the opinion that the bodies retrieved in the Virginia crash were actually taken into custody of the American military and have been basically been studied ever since. Now, if that's the case, are we going to hear about that? I mean, wouldn't that be quite something? James Fox reveals this, you know, this film with all of these details and witnesses who have never come forward before, which is what that film's going to uh, actually c- consist of. Imagine that James Fox releases information in that film which points towards the existence of not only technology but potentially biological material from actual bodies of of non-human entities that have been taken into the custody of the United States military and intelligence uh, community to be analysed. That is something that's going to be in this film. And then imagine if this actual legislation makes it through and we hear from actual whistleblowers who've worked directly on these programmes that have been in custody of these bodies and, and, and potentially non-human technology all this time. I mean, it could be an unbelievable six months that's that's about to unfold before our very eyes and you know when you think about some of the horrendous things that are also unfolding in the world you know i suppose as a human race we're kind of in need of something big like that to actually happen and i for one really hope that it does and not only to sacrifice my to satisfy my personal curiosity on this topic and, and you know obviously a lot of other people who are also interested in this but I'm kind of thinking at this point in time that maybe we need something like this, some kind of realisation of an outside force that we all have to unite to understand and to engage with. Maybe that will, uh, as much as it's a bit of a cliche, maybe that's what we need as a human race, to understand that, to help bring us together a little bit. You know? A little optimistic note there to finish on. Um, but one thing's for sure is there's a lot to keep an eye on over the course of this next six months, this next year, and then in the in the wider scale of things over the next few years. Um, it's all still in the balance. Nothing is guaranteed at this point, but we're about to get some answers. Some of those answers may not be as detailed as we like. Some of those answers may point towards things that we hadn't even considered before, you know, but it looks like we're now at the closest point of getting those answers and you know that's quite quite daunting in a way whatever those answers are going to be remains to be seen but i'm sure i'm glad to be along for the ride so we'll see we'll see how it all goes um, but anyway, I hope everybody's doing well out there in general, um, wherever you're listening from around the world. Here in the UK, we're just going into autumn and the cold weather is beginning. I've chopped my firewood, getting ready for the cold weather to come in. And um, I personally, and not everybody's like this, but I, I'm quite a big fan of the 
the you know the festivities of the the colder season of autumn going into winter obviously there's you know we've got halloween coming up and uh you know i've always been a big fan of autumn leaves you know the changing of the colors and everything of the leaves uh, i find it quite nice i live near some woods and i always go for a walk in the woods and then obviously we've got christmas and uh you know bonfire night here in the uk as well on you know november november the 5th and um i'm very much looking forward to the festivities and uh, we'll be putting together some fun shows as well for we're going to do a christmas special on the podcast like we did last year so i hope everybody else out there is um is doing okay and remember there's a lot of other interesting and cool things out there in the world to look forward to outside of ufos as well of course but plenty of very very interesting things to look forward to if you're interested in this topic and i'm going to be here talking about them as they all happen so um until next time take it easy stay curious and i'll catch you in the next episode UFO Podcast.